Let's see here. Um, There's a scripture I really love from uh, Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is a good psalm to spend a lot of time with. And uh, this psalm was meant to be an instructional psalm, especially for young people, uh, for them to memorize the Word of God and to pursue a life that would have a love of God's Word in it. Uh, So it was written by a very wise teacher, uh, probably Ezra. We don't know for sure, but more than likely him. So anyway, in verse uh, 148 of Psalm 119, it says, My eyes are awake through the night watches, that I may meditate on your word. So he's telling us here why others would sleep uh, when they should be watchful. I'm going to be awake, meditating on your word. That's cool, meditating on your word. Another one here is Psalm uh, 1, uh, another one of my favorites. And it talks about the one who loves the Lord here. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. The law is another way of saying the word of God in the Old Testament. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Wow. Now, meditation uh, in Hebrew, biblical meditation, is not what we have probably been exposed to as a culture. This is not a fat man who doesn't have much clothes on, wearing a diaper, with his legs crossed and a dumb look on his face. And so going, oh, that's not it. That is not meditation. Meditation in Hebrew is to mutter to yourself. Talk to yourself. Talk the Word of God to yourself. If you've ever seen Orthodox Jews pray, you can watch their lips move up. And they're muttering as they have the, uh, their little prayer books. That's intentional. That is speaking the Word of God, muttering the Word of God. And uh, so that's, that's true Hebrew meditation, that we bring the Word of God back to us and speak it to ourselves. So we should be doing the same. We should be taking the Word of God, looking into it deeper, and then meditating on it by talking to ourselves. We all talk to ourselves. If you don't talk to yourself, you don't have a brainwave. So we all talk to ourselves. The, pr- the question is, what do we talk about? Uh, we usually complain to ourselves and bring the problems over and over and over again and what we don't like. We need to be bringing the Word of God to ourselves, talking to ourselves, oh soul, this is what the Word of God tells me. Anyway, we need to do that. So we need to meditate on the Word. We need to have personal light and revelation from the Scriptures come to us, which is revelation knowledge. So this uh, blesses us with an understanding of the Word of God, and it helps us communicate the Word better to others as we take the time to do this. Uh, One example of meditating on the Scripture, just to share briefly, it's not my message tonight at all, uh, but I wanted to share it with you, um, is the place an emphasis, perhaps, on a word when you're reading it in Scripture, and that changes the impact to us. Uh, I know Walter Hill used to mention this years ago. Uh, For example, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, where Jesus says, I will build my church. We tend to just read that, but you can read it meditatively by putting an emphasis on each word. Then it changes the meanings for you. I will build my church. 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 Every time we kind of put an emphasis on each word, we get a different thought. We got a different emphasis and helps us uh, have the Word of God sink into us. That's just one example uh, where it brings emphasis on each of the words that we read. So, you know, that's just an example here of taking a scripture and we intentionally provoke and meditate on it. So, with all these thoughts in mind, what I just said, I want to share something tonight to help you read and think about the scriptures in a meditative way, to do something with the Word of God and not just read it casually. Because it's not read like a novel, not read like a book, 
but it's read to speak deep into us. And we need to receive it that way. Uh, so I want to share to you a, a, a topic tonight called Theological Constructs. That's my, the name of my message tonight. And I know what you're saying inwardly. What? It's don't, don't fear. It's not a problem. It's not complicated. It's actually very easy to pick up on. A construct is something that is built or assembled. Something we put together. Um, it doesn't have to be an object or a building in mathematics and science. It's a conclusion you come to after you use very accurate measurements. Uh, it could be a theory built upon systematic thought. It's a construct. We can do the same thing with the Word of God. We can go to the Word of God and see what the Word of God says about a topic and see how it relates to other topics in the Word of God. And then we can assemble all these thoughts and draw conclusions. This is where the Word of God comments on the Word of God. This is where light comes to us. Revelation knowledge comes to us. It's always great when the Scriptures talk about the Scriptures. When God says something and then another Scripture amplifies what He just said. It's a cool thing. It's a great way to read the Word of God. So when we're examining the Word of God, this is, there's something we call the perfect harmony of Scripture. What that means is that not only with this, will the Scriptures agree with themselves, but they'll shed spiritual light and understanding on themselves. So this is best understood by example. So let's look at some examples here of what we're talking about. Um, a theological construct I want to look at tonight primarily is, is, is a triad of three thoughts. Jesus, the Word, truth. Actually, you're ahead on the slide, but that's good. You can leave it up. Jesus, the Word, truth. Okay, those three. And my premise is that all these are going to agree with each other and shed light on each other. Are you with me so far? This is easy. They're all going to agree with each other. This is unique in the Word of God, this particular little triad. Um, so this is very simple tonight. These three, Jesus, the Word, and truth, are interchangeable in theological concept. They're interchangeable. When you see one, you can see the other. They're almost like triplets. When you see one, you can see the other. So that means then when you see the Word, you could substitute the name Jesus or the word truth. When you see truth, you could substitute the name Jesus or the word of God. When you see Jesus, you can substitute the word of God or truth. Now we can have that slide. Uh, I should have, slide, slide one. It's not there. There it is. I should have made this as a triangle, and I didn't. Uh, I have equal signs here. Jesus equals the Word equals truth. That could easily be a triangle. And uh, the point is they have a relationship that they share together. Um, they're theologically interchangeable, although they're separate topics for sure, but they're going to theologically agree with each other for our understanding. In other words, when we go to our Bibles, we just don't want to read. We want to read critically. That doesn't mean be a critic of it. That means to read discerning. What is this saying in relation to other scriptures? This is where we become a student of the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit becomes our teacher. In other words, we want to read critically when we read the Word of God. So let's have some Bible fun here and look at some exciting things here. Uh, meditating on the Word of God should always be exciting. Amen? What will Holy Spirit teach me today? That should be our excitement. 
Okay, let's start with self with. Let's go to John chapter 14, verse 6. Here Jesus is speaking to Thomas. And he said, and uh, we have the scripture, I believe. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So when I look at this, one thing I'm reading here is Jesus is saying, I am truth. Right? Jesus is calling himself truth. So here, Jesus and truth are the same. Do you get that? It's easy. Jesus and the truth are same. Now, let's go to John chapter 17, verse 17. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Wow, now here we see the word of God is truth. So the word and truth are the same here in concept. Do you see that? So the last scripture we saw that Jesus is the truth. Now we have the word is truth. Let's look at one more. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 13, here we have Jesus speaking, or speaking of Jesus, I'm sorry. And it says, he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. How about that? Here Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus and the Word are the same. Do you see that? I like the nods. Very good. So, what we found here then is a triad of truth. The Word is truth. Jesus is truth. Truth is Jesus. The Word is Jesus. Because of this little triad here of truth, we can now theologically uh, substitute words here that will bring us light from heaven. Let's see how this works here. Let's go back to these scriptures again. So, if I'm reading this, and I know this, John chapter 14, verse 6, again, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So I could say then, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the word and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Do you see what I just did? I did a substitution there, which agrees with who Jesus is. So he's the word. John chapter 17, verse 17. Again, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We could say then, sanctify them through Jesus. Thy word is Jesus. What I'm doing here is I'm learning from the word of God. I'm doing something intentionally to provoke my thinking to think in a different realm as soon as I change the word because they're all going to agree theologically. Okay, uh, Revelation chapter 19 again, verse 13. He is clothed. Uh, with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. I could say, he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called truth. I'm seeing a different aspect of what I'm reading. So, conclusions here that I can draw and meditate on what I just constructed. If I want truth, I need to go to the Word of God. Nowhere else. I need to go to the Word of God. Not people's sermons, not people's opinions. I need to go to the Word of God. If I want truth, I need to go to Jesus. If I go to Jesus, I found truth. If I go to Jesus, I found the Word of God. See how I'm thinking here? Do you see what I just did? That's a simple theological construct where it causes me to think different, causes me to think meditatively, causes me to have a different light on what I'm reading and a different impact on what I'm reading. Now, I can take all these words in the Bible 
and theologically substitute them. And if my premise is correct, I will not be in error. Why? Because they have a theological relationship. Oh, we got one right here in the curtain. They haven't changed this curtain in years. I love it. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And you shall know Jesus, and Jesus shall make you free. And you shall know the Word of God, and the Word of God shall make you free. See what I just did? I intentionally took that Scripture and did something with it to provoke my thinking, to stimulate my faith. Because sometimes you hear truth, truth, truth. Ah, Jesus sets me free. That I get real clear. So it'll mean different things to different people in the way they can receive it. So that's really important to me. I want to be free. I don't want to be in bondage. I need truth to be uh, set free. I need Jesus to be set free. I need the Word of God to be set free. Very important issue that I start to think this way and start to relate this way. So let's do some more here. Uh, just do a few more. And um, we have John chapter 18, famous verse. Verses 37 and 38, we have Jesus before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate's a little arrogant, a little full of himself. In verse 37, therefore Pilate said to him, so you are king? And Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this purpose I have been born, that I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Now we could right off the bat look at this and go, I have come into this world to testify to the word of God. And everyone who is of the word of God listens to my voice. Okay, then Pilate here in verse 38 said to him, quid es veritas. I don't get a chance to speak Latin very often, so that was a big deal to me. A third year high school. Quid es veritas. What is truth? This is cool. Jesus here in verse 37 is testifying to the word of God when he uses the word truth. And in verse 38 here, Pilate is saying, what is truth? Or otherwise, he's saying, so what is the Word of God? What is Jesus? And of course, Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is the truth, staring him in the face. Staring Pilate right in the face, getting his answer right back. Oh, truth? You're looking at him. Wow. So you see how these substitutions can bring us light and bring us understanding. Let's look at another one. I always love this one. Psalm 119, verse 160. The sum of your word is truth. The sum of your word is Jesus. So that means when I go to the word of God, the sum of Jesus is truth. I'm getting what I need. I'm getting the truth I need. I'm getting the word of God I need when I start to do this. Look at another one. This is a classic from John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, we already know theologically this is speaking of the pre-incarnate Christ before Jesus took on a body. This is Jesus existing in eternity as the second person of the Trinity before his earth work. He is Jehovah God. Actually, your, your Bible is not laid out in chronological order. It's laid out in topical order. So if you were to get a chronological Bible, and you can buy them, they make them, you would actually put this verse before Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Because in the beginning was the Word. And probably you would put the Scripture somewhere in the Psalms, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. They would probably go prior to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. So here we have Jesus, the eternal Word of God. This is interesting here, what John did, because you have to remember in the New Testament Greek here, um, 
There's also, it's called Conine Greek, Common Greek. Also, there was other literature written that was not the Word of God in, in the culture of the day. And this is the Greek word called logos, L-O-G-O-S for word. John was the only Greek writer of his day to use logos to represent a person. No one had ever done that in Greek literature prior to John. Wow. And logos means in the original Greek a word that embodies an idea or a concept. In other words, Jesus is his entire mission, his entire redemption. Who he is is an entire embodiment of an idea of, of eternity in the mind of, of the Godhead, which our minds aren't going to be able to figure out. We just accept because my pea brain don't get it. But Jesus here is the eternal word of God made into a, a made flesh. Wow. So here, you know, the God of the Exodus, um, when uh, Moses is introduced to the burning bush, he's introduced for the very first time to Jehovah God. It's Jehovah God who is the God of the Exodus. It's Jehovah God who is the one who makes that covenant with Abraham, the second person of the Trinity, who would then fulfill that covenant when he came and took on a body physically uh, as Jesus of Nazareth. So we see here, um, in the beginning, there's Jesus. Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. And we can also see here in the beginning was truth. And truth was with God. And truth was God. So we start to get a deeper understanding here of when we're reading. Because all I need is truth. We all need truth in life. We have enough garbage coming our way every single day to, to, to deceive us. To turn our heads away from the truth. We all need assurance in our lives because we're bombarded daily with false truths, lies from the evil one that will try to rob us of our faith. Every single day, your body will tell you false truths that doesn't agree with the Word of God. People who mean well will tell you false, false truths and try to steal faith from you, etc., etc., etc. The philosophy of this world is devilish and dying and will be eternally judged. That They wanted you to conform to it. You get constantly bombarded every day to take a false truth and believe it is truth. I need to find truth. I need to find it from the Word of God only. And, you know, and another problem is too many are deceived today in this world by false truths. The cults are filled with this, uh, which aren't truths at all. In fact, very recently I just saw um, a series on Netflix. I don't know if you had seen it about the, uh, the Texas polygamy cult. It was called, I wrote it down, Keep sweet, pray, and obey. Anybody see that? No. Wow. The only one. It was really shocking. Uh, it was phenomenal. Of the, of they sincerely, obviously, believe in polygamy. They sincerely believe they're going to give birth to God children one day uh, and continue to have children after they've left this world with those that they married in the Mormon tabernacle uh, so that they would have more God children that would be gods of galaxies, etc. They really believe this. This is like a big deal to them. They lived their life for this. Oh, and these are very sincere people. And you go, my gosh, you believe a deception. That's incredible. Wow. You spent your entire lifetime believing a deception. My gosh, that's horrible. So there are a lot of false truths out there that steal faith from us and steal the truth of the Word of God from us. You and I need to be people to guard ourselves constantly that we're not having the Word of God taken from us, truth taken from us.
It's something you've got to guard more than the family jewels you got. Them gold and silver things that won't be around one day. You have to guard the truth of God's Word more than anything, especially when it comes to our children, especially. My gosh, if we're getting bombarded, what are they experiencing? And have no discernment to uh, understand the difference. Also, you know, we have today, besides that, so many people today are find it, trying to find truth from the human intellect. You cannot find the truth of God from the human intellect. If you can, what do you need Jesus for? Because you're not going to find Jesus with the human intellect. The rational mind will never know God. He's found in the spirit realm by faith. So men's philosophies and men's intellect will rob them of salvation. Philosophies of humanism, postmodernism, Marxism, and many, many, many more will rob them from the truth of eternity. Well, too many people today, you know, look to science and the discoveries of science of those truths, and they worship them. My gosh, how many people today worship Mother Earth? Got news for you, the Earth ain't your mama. <laughs> Want to look at these people? No, they ain't your mother. And yet they worship <laughs> nature. My gosh, uh, the, the distortions today are incredible. I can only find eternal truth in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. All three agree, and I need to hold on to that. We need to hold on to the Word of God far, far more than we think we do. Because every day you're going to be challenged to give it up. Every day you're going to challenge to substitute it in your mind. And my gosh, what are we doing? I believe there's more deception available today than there ever has been in the history of humanity. And when you're in the middle of it, you don't see it. But my gosh, just comparing ourselves to Christians of years past, what in the world would they think of us? I think you really wonder, what in the world would they think of us? So when I go to the Word of God, Jesus is revealed to me. When I go to the Word of God, truth is revealed to me. Without Holy Spirit, I can't find anything. In faith through Holy Spirit, I can find everything. So this is just one little simple triad of study. Jesus, the Word, and truth. Uh, we can get so much understanding from that. Um, I did some look, looking here, because I know I wasn't speaking on very long tonight. Uh, I went to the Word of God just before I got here and um, wrote up a couple bunch of others here. Uh, I, I went to a Bible concordance. I, I don't want to assume anything. Does everybody know what a, what a concordance of the Bible is? If you don't, it's okay. Anybody not know what a concordance is? Well, you're all very good or very quiet. Okay, well, in a Bible concordance, you can find every, every word of the Bible in alphabetical order. Anyway, I found these. So you can do this with me tonight real quick. Just a few of them I found. Um, John chapter 12, verse 21. Uh, here in verse 20, the Greeks come to Philip, one of the disciples, and they say to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Sir, we wish to see truth. We wish to see the Word of God. Uh, regarding truth, John, third letter of John uh, 1.8, be fellow workers with the truth. Be fellow workers with Jesus. Be fellow workers with the Word of God. Also John 1, you are walking in truth. You're walking in Jesus. You're walking in the Word of God. Second John chapter 1, for the sake of truth which abides, for the sake of Jesus which abides, for the sake of the Word of God which abides. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12, the truth 
which is present with you. Jesus, who is present with you. The Word of God, who is present with you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, you have in obedience to the truth. You have in obedience to Jesus. You have in obedience to the Word of God. See, sometimes when we see truth, we don't tend to think, I'm supposed to be obedient to the Word of God. I'm supposed to be obedient to Jesus. And the obedient part means believe. Believe. Okay, uh, the Word of God. Mark chapter 4, verse 33. He was speaking the Word to them. He was speaking truth to them. He was speaking himself to them. Uh, John 8, if you abide in my word, if you abide in the truth, if you abide in me. See what I'm doing here? In substitute? See, it's easy. Acts chapter 6, verse 7, the word of God kept on spreading. Truth kept on spreading. Jesus kept on spreading. By the way, a side comment here, you should be praying for your church every day that the Lord would add onto our numbers daily. That's right from the book of Acts. That's a great way to pray for your church. Lord, add onto our numbers daily. That was free. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The word which I preach to you, Jesus which I preach to you, the truth which I preach to you. Philippians chapter 1 verse 14. Speak the word of God without fear. Speak the truth without fear. Speak Jesus without fear. I like that. That's cool. Uh, Acts chapter 9. Uh, this is when, um, of course, uh, Saul gets knocked down, uh, and uh, Jesus talks to him. Who are you? And, uh, and it says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. I am the word of God which you are persecuting. I am the truth which you are persecuting. So these little thoughts like this um, are amazing. Anytime we see in the Gospels where it says Jesus said to them, which is common, the truth said to them, the word of God said to them. He brings us a different uh, emphasis here on what we're reading. Um, you know, we can look at more of these uh, little triads uh, just to, for one to share briefly, not part of the sermon tonight, but um, there's another triad. It's not the same way, uh, but it's faith, salvation, and healing. That, that could definitely be a triangle. Faith, salvation, and healing. They have a strong relationship together. When you look at one, you see the other. That's a strange statement. When you look at one, you see the other. Uh, just briefly to mention here, um, in salvation and healing, faith is involved. There's, there's, the, there's the relationship. These are more relationships. So with uh, salvation and healing, they have faith in common. How do you get saved? By faith. How do you get healed? By faith. There's that relationship again. Um, if I speak salvation, I confess salvation. If I speak healing, I confess healing. Uh, is it God's will for everyone to be saved? Yes. Then is it God's will for everyone to be healed? Yes. Not to say so is a religious lie that will kill you. So, we see them connected. I did a sermon on that a couple years ago. Um, will all receive salvation? No. They'll be rejectors. They'll be those that can't find faith to believe in Jesus. No, not all will be saved. Is it God's will for all to be saved? Absolutely. Will all be saved? No. Will all receive healing? No. See, see the relationship here? 
There'll be those that will reject the concept and those that will just not be able to find faith. Unfortunately, it's this whole separate topic, um, but uh, the problem with healing is usually most people are in hope to be healed, not in faith to be healed. And I remember something I heard many years ago I never forgot. You can die in hope. It's that serious. We need faith. We need to believe that I have received in what I do not see and do not feel. So, is salvation available to all? Yes. Is healing available to all? Yes. So we can go on and on here to show that these have a relationship together. So there's many other topics like this in the Word of God that when we study the Word, we learn from it. Because, you know, we tend to separate those topics from what we're looking at here, healing and salvation. But when you see they have a connection, because they're both dealt with on the cross, they're both dealt with in the atonement, and that they all are connected to faith, whoa, that opens up a very different picture. That destroys a lot of religious arguments that, well, maybe God won't heal you. Really? That maybe God won't even save you then either. How about that? You like that one? Oh, no. Well, how come you're separating them? They are related. We have to think critically. We have to think critically. There's too much religion out there that will kill you today. And we can't, we, we can't tolerate that. So anyway, um, why should we be doing these theological substitutions like this? Well, just as we kind of bring to a close here tonight this, it brings us into a personal insight and understanding of who Jesus is to me. I need to constantly be encouraged of who Jesus is to me. I got to constantly discover who are you, Jesus? Who are you to me? You're my only hope. You're my only salvation. You're my only healing. You're my only uh, purpose for living. I live for the praise of your glory. Who are you? Do we really ask critically, Jesus, who are you? Unfortunately, God, Jesus, to most people are just butlers. Give me this, give me that. Give me, give me, my name is Jimmy. All they do is want something. And they only go to God when they have a problem. They don't live for him. That's not salvation. He's my everything. Every breath I have should focus on him. Maybe then I might live different. Hmm. Maybe I might choose how I spend my time differently. Maybe I might choose how I spend my money differently. Maybe I, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe I might uh, treat other people differently if I'm really living for Jesus because he's my everything. These are the kind of thoughts we have to be asking ourselves and thinking about here. So, it also provokes to us a greater meditation on God's Word. Again, don't just read the Word of God. Read it meditatively. Do something with the Word of God. Be a critical reader. What does this mean to me? What are you saying to me, Jesus? What am I not seeing here correctly? Holy Spirit, give me light in what I'm not getting right here. These are the kind of questions we, ask, we pray meditatively. We read meditatively. Pray. We read meditatively in a prayerful way when we go to the Word of God so that we're getting something from the Word of God. It shouldn't be a dry experience. The Word of God should never be a dry experience for a believer. Stop reading it with your mind. Start reading it with faith. Start reading it, so expecting Holy Spirit to teach us. So, also, this kind of thinking here leads us into realizing truths that we probably never have considered. And that's when the light bulb goes on. And sometimes entire lives get changed because somebody read a scripture different. My gosh, Martin Luther, do you know his story? 
a man heavily uh, burdened down with sin and struggling with uh, Roman Catholic teachings of doing penance and going to confession, and I'm not changing, and he's frustrated, and all these works that he's frustrated with. Oh, I'm such a great sinner. Until one day he reads what the Word of God says, the faith, uh, by faith we are justified. We are justified by faith. One scripture changed this guy's entire life, changed the surface of Christianity. I'm justified by faith. What? 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 I mean, that works. What? And Martin Luther had this great maxim, only faith, only Jesus, only the Word of God. That was a triad for him. It works. That was Martin Luther's triad. Faith, Jesus, the Word. Yep, you got it, Martin. That's exactly right. Wow. One little scripture, reading it meditatively, changed this man's life forever. Incredible. And changed Christianity uh, in the Middle Ages. Um, so, you know, and you know, keep in mind here, like I said about critical reading, God doesn't bless the lazy. Okay? How we handle the Word of God matters. We're to told to uh, handle it with accuracy. Handling the Word of God w with uh, uh, carefulness and accuracy in how we approach it. So, also we see here, one last point here is that Holy Spirit wants to lead us. We just got to get that every day. He wants to lead me as soon as I open up my eyes. He probably was leading me when I was sleeping, and I didn't get it in some dreams I had, right? He's always trying to lead us. I'm so glad he doesn't sleep. He's always trying to lead us. Am I responding? I think a lot of times we just push him away. Not right now, I'm busy. I'll do that later. He's constantly trying to lead us, constantly trying for us to get this right, and we keep pushing him away. Not intentionally, but we do. Holy Spirit constantly wants to lead you personally all through your day in the decisions you make, everything. So that He would lead you into all truth, lead you into all joy, lead you into effectiveness as a, as a, a citizen of the kingdom of God. He wants to lead us, and He wants to lead us into more revelation knowledge. Uh, so, so I would love to serve Father God, have greater purpose in my life, go beyond just reading my Bible and studying the Word with purpose. Holy Spirit is constantly asking, constantly asking, but He never drives us, never yells at us and screams at us, and He's so patient when we don't listen, and He's always right there until we finally get it. And it's, it's amazing. Holy Spirit wants to lead us. And as good as you might be having it in the Lord, it can even be better. What could actually happen if we let Holy Spirit lead us? I think we would have a revival happening all over the, all over the globe. But it's the, the rare few who really want Him. So we need to be, you and me, need to make a decision. I want Him. I want Holy Spirit. I don't know if we're getting that. I'm not talking to you. I'm just talking in general. I don't know if we're getting that. I don't know how much I have to want him. There was this old story one time. I just thought of it. Um, forgot what it was. I think it was wanting God or something. But let's call it Holy Spirit. So one person says to the other, they're, they're by a stream. So what does it mean to, 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 to want God, to want the Holy Spirit? Huh, good question. He grabbed the guy by the neck and put his head under water. Bubbles start to come up. And the guy got to breathe. You're crazy. You're out of your mind. How bad did you want breath? How bad did you want air? That's how bad you have to want the Spirit of God. 
just like I can't have it. one more moment, I'll die. Wow, that speaks volumes to me. I probably don't live like that. I got to start. Or at least I try to attempt to. How bad do I really want? I don't like the word bad. How much do I really want? Holy Spirit in my life. And there's no answer there. It's a personal question. How much do I really want Holy Spirit? When people really get desperate about that, lives change. That's how the Pentecostal outpouring of the Holy Spirit came at the turn of 1900 and prior to it. Because people had to have the presence of God so much. They called it the second experience. In other words, they got born again, and they called baptism in the Holy Spirit the second experience. And they were desperate for it. They would tarry for weeks on end at, at prayer, uh, Bible studies, and seeking the Holy Spirit because they didn't know any other way to receive it. Wow. They were serious people. They were desperate people. Gosh, Lord, how do we have a desperateness? Wow. I want that to be me. So one aspect of our study tonight uh, is, uh, you know, the point is to read the Word of God meditatively and dwell on those connections that Holy Spirit are, are going to make, which we just showed tonight. So, you getting something out of this? I didn't lose anybody, I hope. I'm simple. I want to keep it simple, too. Praise God. So, as we close tonight, uh, I hope you'll consider dwelling on this for your personal prayer time in the Word of God. It's worth the study. Amen? Let's pray here. Father God, my words are meaningless. Your Word means everything. May, Lord God, there be a connection here in the hearts of everyone that here tonight, everyone that would be listening to this on podcast, those folks that are listening online. Oh, Holy Spirit, that we would become desperate for you, Lord. Desperate for Jesus. Desperate for the truth. Desperate for the Word of God. That it would be the highlight of our day when we would pick up our Bible, and it's the most important thing I've done in my day. That, Father God, uh, there would be a desire burning in us, Lord, for the things of you. And if we're honest and say we don't have that, oh, Father, give it to us. Yes, Lord God, give it to us, Lord. Change us, Lord God. Change us into his likeness, Father. And day by day, Father, to have Holy Spirit lead us in your word. What different kind of people would we be that we would act, that we would speak? Holy Spirit, we just look to you to enter us tonight in a great way that we would leave in a newer and deeper understanding of that you're wooing us, calling us to you, to fellowship with you, because you so much want to desperately teach us what we do not know, that we would have an interest to hear what you have to say. Holy Spirit, make a difference in our days greater than whatever we have now, make a greater difference in us that truly we would be seen as those who have been with Jesus. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name tonight. Amen.